Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism. I'm your host today, Luke Martin, and my day job is as CEO of the Tourism Industry Council in Tasmania. Talking Tourism is the podcast series especially for tourism operators and tourism professionals. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, the peak industry body for tourism in the beautiful state of Tasmania, and today's episode is being supported by the Tasmanian Government. Today's episode is part of a series of podcasts being released every fortnight through the COVID-19 crisis to keep Tasmanian tourism operators up to date with the latest news and developments with the crisis as it relates to our tourism industry and the support and assistance being made available by the state and federal government and industry authorities across the state. Today's episode is all about the wage subsidy that the Australian government announced uh, just over a week ago now or on a week ago. And joining me is Andrew Pearce, who is Executive Director of Collins SBA. They are a uh, business advisors and accounting firm based out of Hobart, who have an infinite amount of experience working with small and medium tourism and hospitality businesses across Tasmania. G'day, Andrew. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Luke. Um, this wage subsidy, of all the support, of all the uh, government assistance that's been made available, this has been the one that has prompted the most interest uh, from my perspective for, with, with operators. A lot of questions, a lot of confusions, and you'd be, I imagine, experiencing the same from some of the operators you're working with. Yeah, most definitely. It's probably fair to say that for a lot of the small businesses that we're dealing with, the, the first round of stimulus announcements missed the mark a little bit, and then this one's come through and it's created a lot of interest uh, to the extent that uh, I guess consuming a lot of the um, the conversations that I am having having at the moment. Uh, albeit the legislation isn't actually out yet, so there, there is a lot of um, uncertainty still. Yeah, yeah, and we should make that point. So we're recording this on uh, on Monday, and I think the legislation is supposed to go through on Wednesday. And I think as we as we go into this, we'll talk about the process of applying. At the moment, it's very much a registration of interest at the moment, isn't it? Because the obviously they can't release the details and the guidelines and the application process until uh, the legislation goes through the Australian Parliament. So we are being a bit preemptive, and I think that's perhaps why there's so many questions about about the uh, the support. Yeah, that's right. I meant to add to that. I was just watching an announcement uh, by Christian Porter just prior to joining you where he was just talking about some of the, the issues they're facing in, in trying to uh, amend, I suppose, the Fair Work Act, Act to uh, to make all this possible. Um, and uh, that is the fastest way of getting this out. So hopefully it happens and it happens pretty soon. Okay. So let's let's just base this off what we know currently and uh, what we assume might come. But, but again, that disclosure that uh, when you're listening to this, uh, probably later this week or uh, into next week, if you're an operator out there, that um, hopefully by then some of the questions we, we've still got outstanding will have been answered. And and obviously there's some, some key websites that we'll talk about um, to be able to go to, to 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 access some of those those answers as they come through. But, but what we know is that everyone's eligible. Is that correct? Uh, almost. <laughs> almost. I mean, look, they, there are a couple of tests, um, you know, such as the $1 billion turnover tests. But, um, yeah, I'd assume that most of our members are. And, of course, 
we do need to show that we have had that 30% reduction in our turnover um, against a corresponding month or quarter in the, in the previous year. So most of our operators who uh, would be obviously small and medium businesses and are going to be applying for this potentially in April um, or late April, yep. we'll be looking at March and April results where I think in most cases, if not all cases, they'll be able to demonstrate more than 30% drop in revenue. Yeah, that's that's right. And I think of the clients I've been talking to in this industry um, of recent, if they haven't felt the drop yet, and it might have been that your March wasn't quite a thirty percent drop, and in some cases that's because they've you know reinvented their business and are doing slightly different services to to make up the shortfall in their usual trading, but they they are expecting it for for April and, and May. Yeah. So fair to say, by the time you're applying for this, most operators in our sector would be uh, most likely eligible. Um, what's the What's as it relates to sole traders? Okay, so yeah, sole traders, um, it's they they are eligible. In in short, if I uh, I just cover off on on some notes that I've got here, the job curve payment is available to businesses without employees. So that is the self-employed and, and sole traders. Um, so businesses without employees will need to provide uh, their ABN still, um, the name and details of a nominated individual to receive the payment. Uh, and the payment will be made to that person's bank account um, and they'll have to nominate their tax file number and declare as their recent business activity. Yeah. So a lot of our operators obviously are, you know, mum and dad operators of a, say, B&B in regional TAS or a yep. sole operator, tour operator running running uh, tours or coach services or, or around um, our national parks. Uh, until this job keeper allowance was made available, the advice to them was for income support to either access Newstart with the supplement or indeed uh, access your superannuation. Um, now those operators are or should be eligible for this job keeper allowance. Uh, that's right. They should be. I think uh, the new start, uh, it might be called Job Seeker now. I know the name changes from time to time, but there were incredibly huge wait times to, to talk to Centrelink or, or MyGov through the my.gov um, website. Uh, and so this announcement has, has been very handy in that sense for our business owners, our sole traders and small operators. Yeah. And yeah, at this stage, it's just registering their interest because we need to note that the first payments aren't expected until the first week of May. The first week of May. So we've still got cash flow, but I know some of the state government support, the $2,500 grants that they've made available uh, as of last week, they are turning those around very quickly. So for a lot of those small micro businesses, those owner-operated businesses, if they can the access that two and a half thousand dollars will hopefully at least help until potentially this oh, job can kick in. Yeah, um, feedback from uh, clients has been about uh, one to two days for that refund yeah. in their bank account or their grant, I should say, in their bank account. That's the two and a half thousand dollar emergency support grant. Yeah. There is also a hardship grant which is not quite released yet. That's up to fifteen thousand dollars, and uh, uh, suggesting at this stage apply for the two and a half thousand as like a prerequisite, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee you the fifteen thousand. Um, but more details will be coming very soon. Uh, and check out business.tas.gov.au for more information on those ones. Yeah, and that's that's where the confusion reigns about some of the difference between the state government support and the federal government support. So the, the $2,500 is through the Tasmanian government, so that's business.tas.gov.au, and your source of all knowledge and information on the wage subsidy, the JobKeeper package, is through the Australian government, which is 
business.gov.au. So that's, I think, people need to go to the state government site for the the $2,500 and the 15000 potentially in the future. And then obviously for their information and to register their interest in the JobKeeper, it's the business.gov.au, the Australian government site. That's right. And the registration there is actually through the, the ATO. So there would be a link through to the ATO for the JobKeeper payment uh, register your interest page. I might just read out that URL just uh, for those that are looking directly for that one. So that is www.ato.gov.au forward slash job hyphen keeper hyphen payment. Got it's that. very short, six six questions. So, yeah, it's a very so, quick one to register your, um, and, your interest there. And you would imagine by registering, as soon as the information is available, as soon as the uh, the application process is approved, as after it goes through Parliament, you'll be receiving an email pretty quickly, you would have thought. Uh, yeah, an SMS is what they're suggesting. So as an SMS or an email, if you put those down in your, um, your registration of interest, uh, you should receive something back as soon as that legislation is passed, I hope. Okay. Good. All right. Well, we'll see how it plays out. But one of the questions that I think I'm getting from a lot of employers and is a sense of expectation about whether they should actually put their staff that they have stood down or indeed their casual staff onto this JobKeeper allowance or should they um, hold hold um, basically of, of standing down their staff and, and waiting to see what, what the market looks like on the other side? So first question probably is the obvious one is, is there an expectation that every employer should act- actually access this JobKeeper program? Yeah, look, it, it is a difficult one, I suppose, um, and it's probably where you know individual advice is required. But to get that, we really need to understand the legislation firstly. I, I think in the first instance, it probably doesn't hurt in registering your interest and, and increasing your knowledge about how this all works. Hopefully, within a couple of days, we'll have a far better picture as to who you would register as far as your employees go and and, and actually provide it for. So, you know, at this stage, if, if you're eligible as an employer and your employees are eligible, and obviously there is some eligibility criteria around them being full-time, part-time or with casuals for at least 12 months up to the, um, the 30th of March, and remembering also that the ATO does have some discretion or the Commissioner of um, Tax will apply some discretion if you are falling outside of, of those definitions. And, and likewise, I should mention with the 30, 30% um, turnover drop for eligibility, if it's not quite 30% or there are other circumstances like you haven't been trading for 12 months yet or whatever the case may be, there is some discretion. So um, hold out some hope still, but once again, the detail isn't yet available. Okay, all right. Assuming that uh, you, assuming that it is um, something that's appropriate for my business, assume, assuming it is something that I want to do for my staff, but I am unsure. Say, if I'm a tour operator, what kind of market am I looking at when eventually these restrictions are lifted, when we reopen, when we resume activity? Where, where's that line? Do you think for business that's weighing up? I want to keep my staff. I want to do the right thing by my staff, but I don't want to commit myself to carrying staff when potentially the market won't be there at the back end of this uh, of this crisis to be able to actually give them the work. That's it's a it's a tough decision for some operators, isn't it? That's right, especially for those I suppose they've stood down their their staff uh, at this point in time. Um, and it's a really difficult one to to advise on because we the, from what the governor's saying it's it's all based around 6 months, right? This this mm. package is going to be in place for 6 months at this stage. Now 
even if in six months' time we're back on track again, you know, what's the recovery time really yeah. going to be? Uh, and, you know, I suggest it could be up to 24 months, really, especially for some of the, you know, the people that are involved in international uh, tourism operations. Um, so it is going to be difficult, but we don't know what might come out closer to the end of that six months as well. I mean, if this is um, something that's, that's, you know, spread across the industries that uh, – the recovery hasn't yet started, then perhaps they will extend the scheme. So, you know, you sort of have to be in it to, to gain it, I suppose, in the long run. But, look, I, I do encourage everyone just to wait a couple of days till the legislation's out and then do make contact with your accountant or, or tax agent to, to run over how it applies to your personal circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing, obviously, to weigh up is that you're still you're still paying this through your payroll, so a business still needs to consider the administration, if they're an owner operator themselves, incurring that responsibility, or indeed um, their own administration support if, uh, and payroll support um, around actually processing pays every fortnight. Well, that's, that's right. I mean, we'll run through a couple of scenarios, perhaps. Like, yeah. you know, if you're if you are still operating, if you're fortunate enough to still be operating and and employing people, and you're uh, eligible and you're paying them more than that $1,500 per fortnight, then this $1,500 is going to subsidise what you're paying them already. Mm. If you are um, paying them less than the $1,500 per fortnight, then this will allow you to pay them exactly $1,500 per fortnight. Yeah. So they will get a raise on that. It will be passed straight through to them and it won't cost you anything except for the short-term impost of cash flow because you've got to pay for it before you get it reimbursed from the ATO each month. Um, yes, there is administrative burden in that sense because you are going to have to update the ATO with your current number of employees. You need to check that your employees are eligible. They can't be receiving it from more than two employers, for example, if they're holding uh, multiple parent um, casual positions. Uh, and they can't be receiving the job seeker payment directly from Centrelink at the same time right, either. Yeah. So it's one or the other. And obviously, this one would be slightly more. And a, re- and a really important point, because I know a lot of businesses are, are weighing this up, uh, is that for the employee, for your worker, try, mm. they are not financially worse off by being under job seeker, under the what we know as New Start, uh, as they would be under job keeper, uh, being paid by your employer. So... Um, they're, they're not going to be financially, if they're not working, they're not doing any extra hours and it's just the mm. $1,500, essentially they'll be earning the same thing. Um, well, it is, it is a slightly different amount. So the job seeker payment is, there has been a boost added for the um, coronavirus stimulus to that, which was announced prior to the job keeper. Uh, I think it's about an extra 500 a fortnight. So I put it up to about 1100 per fortnight for someone on Job Seeker. Yeah. Uh, whereas Job Keeper, reimbursed through the employer, would be 1500 So, right. And obviously, it keeps people off the, the unemployed list. So, from a, from a government point of view, it's probably helping yeah. them achieve some metrics it's there making, as well. Making the unemployment rate not look as horrific as what it otherwise <laughs> would. I think it's more about, yeah, the administration of it too. As we saw when they first launched the Job Seeker bonus. Um, Centrelink or my.gov was unindated and I think it crashed the website. So they're struggling to handle the volumes right now. So they're obviously turning to the employers and saying, look, let's give you an incentive and, and you can help keep the uh, the employees engaged and ready for, for when, when things bounce help. back, hopefully. An yeah. important point you make is the fact that it subsidises um, it can subsidise part of their otherwise their wages. So for a lot of businesses that might be looking to scale up as, uh, for example, intrastate markets open for us. So uh, with Tasmanian travellers are able to start moving around the state um, before 
uh, obviously the domestic market opens so all the borders are lifted. Um, for those, it might be a case of, well, I can hopefully scale up this person's work so that I get them back towards working a full-time uh, rate, but at the moment I don't quite have enough. So this this subsidy could be, the, could be that solution for those operators that want to be able to carry their staff but perhaps don't quite have enough to justify them full-time. I want to make a couple of points um, there, Luke, as well. So, uh, firstly, there's currently no announced restrictions on an employer's right to unilaterally decide which eligible employees will be nominated to receive the JobKeeper payment. So, this may change when legislation is finalised, but in theory, employers can freely decide which employees should be rehired or even refuse to nominate an, an eligible employee. Um, once again, we really need to be careful of the, the HR and IR rules and laws and so if you've got someone that actually helps you in that area uh, and I know that um, the TICT does have a service for its members where they yeah. can talk to uh, yeah. you about those issues then that's that's a really important consideration um, and I think the other one which is a common question I get is um, what if I've stood my employees down yeah. can I can I get them working for this fifteen hundred dollars and, and the answer to that one at this stage, well, can I direct my employees who have been stood down and sub subsequently receiving that JobKeeper payment from me to do work? And under the current law, and, and once again, I'll disclaim without seeing the, yeah. the drafting of the JobKeeper legislation, no, not while they're stood right. down. Okay. So, so you've already sent out your st stand-down notices, as, uh, you know, again, for all the disclaimers about at this very point in time, from what we know, you cannot uh, suddenly call them back in and get them to work $1,500 equivalent a fortnight, you've already stood them down. That's an IR decision you've made. Um, you can't step this back without obviously some agreement or, or negotiation with that employee. Yes. Yeah, okay. That's an important one. So one of the obvious ones, that answers the obvious question that there is no expectation that people must work um, that you put onto this JobKeeper program. So you don't have to find the work for them somehow. This is this is really just an allowance to keep them engaged with the company or the business over the term of the crisis. That's right, yeah. yes. Okay, what about casuals? So at the moment we know it's minimum of 12 months. Is there an hour requirement around that? that uh, not that I've it? seen, actually. I'm not sure if you've seen anything, no, Luke, but no. I, I haven't seen anything specifically about hours. Um, it's really the uh, eligibility is that they have been um, working for you for 12 months and that they were engaged with the business on the 1st of March this year. Yeah. So for a lot of our operators, that would be casual room attendants and um, obviously casual tour operators, tour guides who are obviously very seasonal um, and and hope. So the, the, from what we know currently, it would be that you have been with the business indefinitely working sporadically as a casual employee for over 12 months and that you're employed with them on the 1st of March as we as we currently lay the land. Yep. Okay. Do you have to pay income tax? Uh, yes. Yep. It is a taxable income. So, you know, for the, the employee receiving that, it's no different to receiving salary and wages. Um, so the, we're talking about a before tax payment of $1,500 per fortnight, which means there could be some tax withheld from that. And uh, another common question, obviously, is in relation to superannuation. So at this stage, there's no obligation to pay superannuation on the $1,500 that you're passing on to your employees. However, you can voluntarily. And obviously, if it's for 
an employee that is still currently working for you and earning more than $1,500 per fortnight, then $1,500 of it that you're going to pass on if you're eligible and receive this payment won't attract the superannuation unless you volunteer to, but any amounts over and above that that you're paying them will like normal. Yeah, so your normal general obligations as an employer around income for super and tax still applies Um, and obviously there is an administration compliance cost to a business and I say this in the context that there would be a lot of small businesses who would outsource that support and that would be what they have um, obviously probably pulled back on first obviously with with the business um, suspending operations. So there is something there to for employers to weigh up that they they obviously need to stay on top of their income tax obligations, their BAS statements and their super obligations whilst this you know, 3, 6, 12, God knows how long months um, disruption occurs. Look, that's right. I know that, um, you know, for a lot of small businesses out there, there is a compliance burden, the regulatory burden, which does make, does make it difficult. Um, you know, the important thing here is surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, your industry body here are here to support you. Also, your advisors, you know, your accountants, your tax agents, make sure you are talking to them. They are they are essential service providers for a business, right? So I know we're trying to cut down our non-essential costs right now, but these guys will actually help you survive and, and thrive into the future. Um, the, the other grants that are available, you know, your accountant should be able to help point in the right direction there too and help you apply if you're struggling. There, um, you know, there is a business continuity grant out there as well, which which might be what helps you through this this time as well in, in um, working out how you tackle that administrative, administrative burden in your business. Yeah, so and that's a great way to finish up because we've we've I think we've answered a few questions. We probably more put a few questions on the table that still need to be worked through. And as hopefully you know, by the time people are listening to this uh, later this week or into next week, we'll uh, we'll have some of those answers. But really, for <laughs> your your source of truth is first and foremost inform yourself. So. Um, let's just run through those websites again. The the state government for the $2,500 grants, which every business is essentially now eligible for, that's business.tas.gov.au. For the federal government packages, it's business.gov.au. And for specifically around registering for the JobKeeper package, Andrew, that is that ATO website, which is... That's right, the ato.gov.au and forward slash job hyphen keeper hyphen payment. Okay, absolutely. And in terms of once you've informed yourself, um, if you have your own financial planner, advisor, accountant, by all means, make them your first point of contact. If you don't have one of those, um, we have a service that you've referred to uh, with Collins SBA, so with Andrew and his colleagues. And uh, all you need to do is to email TRCT, info at trct.com.au and we'll put you in touch with... Andrew, a member of his team, and that's a that's a free service uh, for an initial consultation, and it's really out there for anyone who has uh, a lot of questions, uncertainty, or at least just need to be pointed in the right direction, and don't have those uh, services in their own network of um, of accountants and advisors. So, by all means, uh, please uh, reach out to us if you if you need that. I think we've covered as much as we can for this week, Andrew. I reckon we'll uh, we'll have more questions next in a fortnight when we do this again. I suspect. No doubt we will, Luke. Yes. <laughs> All right. well, well, thanks for joining us. Um, I know we had a lot of interest in the uh, the podcast you did with us a couple of weeks ago with Rob. I'm sure this one's going to get a lot of interest as well. And um, as I say, if, uh, if anyone wants to follow it up with a bit more intense uh, consultation hey, welcome, about the... No, no doubt the interest, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep it up. All right, well, thank you. This is Andrew Pierce from uh, Collins SBA. Uh, my name's Luke Martin. Thank you for listening to Talking Tourism. 
Um, please keep an eye on other episodes that have been released this week um, around uh, talking around some of the state government grants that have been mentioned or indeed just a general update on some of the um, business developments that are occurring across government. We'll release uh, these podcasts every fortnight um, through the coronavirus crisis and uh, until we get to a state of um, normality to return to Tasmanian tourism, hopefully sooner than later. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism. Talking Tourism.